What a very good morning. It is uh, Money Talk. It's 16 minutes past eight. This is James Ross. And uh, let's turn to our guests uh, this morning. And first of all, to our regular on a Friday morning, to Andrew Ferris, uh, the CEO of Ecognosis Advisory. Uh, good morning, Andrew. Good morning, indeed. Uh, nice to have you on the show as normal. And also, let's say welcome to Martin Henneker, who is Head of Asia Investment Advisory at St. James Place Wealth Management. Uh, good morning, Martin. Thanks, James. A pleasure to be here again. Uh, let's start with um, those interest rates, as uh, we often do on this show. Um, the, the Fed holding things unchanged, China cutting interest rates. Where do we stand uh, on all of this, Andrew, at the moment? What, what are your thoughts at the end of this uh, busy week for interest rates? I'm, I'm, I'm giggling behind, behind my fist, actually, because <laughs> you have three of the major banks doing completely different things. Yeah, the, the Fed has stopped. The European Central Bank increased interest rates to the highest level ever. And the People's Bank of China, uh, only the second biggest economy in the world, just got interest rates. Mm. Wow. I mm. love the synchronicity of uh, global financial markets. There ain't any. And I love that. I absolutely adore it. What, is, what does all that mean for the world's economy, Andrew? It means that uh, we cannot carry on saying to ourselves that this is a period of high interest rates. Okay, it is a period of high interest rates for the United States and, uh, and the European Union, but definitely not uh, for, for China. And very likely, actually, it's going to be a hold also for Japan. Yes. Now, what you make out of that is how much one is able, in fact, uh, let's say, to trade on the fact that these four major economies will continue to go at completely different directions. And they have been doing so for several years now. Martin, Martin, what do you make of all of this? Well, you might you might sort of have to take it piecemeal. You know, there's the economy, there's the different countries, uh, and also there's the effect on on markets, which sometimes can go counter to what the economists do. But let me let me start with one particular point, which is that there's a lot of talk about no more inflation risks being there nowadays um, with the figures that we have seen in the UP PPI, etc. But there's one thing that I think people are really still missing. So on Tuesday, you had the U.S. budget uh, deficit. Uh, being announced through May is 1.2 trillion so far for fiscal 2023. Um, the Congressional Budget Office projections will be 1.5 trillion for this year. And one of the reasons that you can see for the worsening deficit uh, has clearly been the bigger interest costs the government has got to pay. And it's just starting as that debt is going to uh, be rolling over increasingly uh, at the higher rates. So the Congressional Budget Office also projects that over the next de decade, annual deficits are nearly uh, going to double. And so what does that mean? You have the higher interest costs making the budget deficit worse. And what does the budget deficit do? I just want to give you one quick quote here just to see this risk of a vicious circle here potentially that I think nobody's mm. really watching. Kansas City Fed, August 19, 2022, they say... Inflation is fully controlled by the monetary authority only when public debt can be successfully stabilized by credible future fiscal plans. But when the fiscal authority is not perceived as fully responsible for covering the existing imbalances, inflation will rise to ensure sustainability of national debt. And then what happens if inflation rises? They might put the interest rates up again. So what I'm trying to say here... 
um, central banks like the Fed are sort of playing with fire because um, debt is so high that an increase could make the budget deficit worse. Um, against that backdrop, in a nutshell, for investors, I would suggest what that means is not to be complacent about inflationary risk um, potentially coming back and just to be positioned carefully for that risk. I mean, the question is, for those of us who don't know too much about it, is do any of these central banks, whether uh, they be in Washington, D.C., in uh, in Brussels, in Tokyo or, or Beijing, do any of them know what they're doing? Andrew, do you have a view on that? Oh, 100%. They're doing the right things for their, for their economies. I mean, for a long time, I have been cheering the Japanese of uh, insisting in the middle of huge opposition, let's say public opposition or in investor experience opposition that they are doing the, the wrong thing. They are doing absolutely the right thing for their economy. And also, I'm afraid I'm not at all uh, so uh, US-centric that, uh, yes, they are running a very large deficit. Well, uh, the European Union is also running quite a substantial deficit. Uh, so is the Japan. So is Japan. But not at the rate at which the United States is doing so. And that is the problem for the Americans. Now, you might say it's a problem for anybody who is holding US Dollars. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not a problem for anybody who's holding Aussie dollars, for example, or it's holding uh, European, or it's holding the euro, or for that matter, the sterling. In other words, all these currencies have uh, improved against the US dollar. It's, it's, uh, it, it isn't a matter that they don't know what they're doing. It is they're doing to their lives what is right for their economies. And this happens to point out that the notion that the global economy moves together just because the Americans are increasing interest rates, it's a patent lie. <laughs> it's, it's a lie because it's just not true. It's, it's not a matter of opinion, it's a matter of fact. Martin, you know, what is the effect on the world economy of all these uh, pushing and pulling? Well, um, let me maybe say another thing that I think investors might be missing here because there's, again, the economy and there's markets. Um, and well, there was, there was an interesting piece of research done in 2014 by London Business School saying there was actually, uh, when they looked at uh, an analysis of 100 years of markets and economic correlations, there was actually a slightly negative correlation. So I rather look at, you know, what's the practical implications sort of for investors. So I mentioned inflation first. I think there's a lot of uncertainty also with where interest rates might go if inflation tick up again. So as a precaution, I'll suggest to stay clear of debt. But then, uh, it was Andrew was just talking about you have these different economies diverging and what about different markets now so one other thing I would definitely highlight here is you know China um, cutting you have uh, a deflationary PPI in China you know when I was reading through the papers during the course of the week I also noticed one interesting thing you have a lot of headlines that China's market is dead. So here's one headline. China is cancelled for many foreign investors at the same day, says clients rush for Asia investment products that they exclude China, etc., etc., etc. And when I see headlines like this, you know, either on the upside or on the downside, you know, often I think people are quite easy to fall into this trap of recency bias. Um, we have seen the Chinese market sort of underperform everything else for quite some time. In fact, if you're looking at um, the performance of China tech. Tech is something obviously everybody looks at a lot. Since the pandemic, China tech is down, has lost 300 billion, whereas US tech has added 5 trillion in market value. And often when you have markets so discounted and all the news flows very negative, valuations might already reflect that, if not overly reflect, and actually might be an opportunity. So I wouldn't discount 
um, that market, but it's important to be always globally diversified and never bet too, too highly on any one thing. I mean, you know, China obviously not, uh, as you just just said, the headlines about China are not so great at the moment. Um, is the uh, central bank, the People's Bank of China, doing the right thing in uh, cutting interest rates at the moment, Andrew? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, there are two reactions to that. When you see a cut of, of interest rates by 10 basis points, you say, ah, come on, you know, seriously. I mean, is this going to make any difference? But I'm afraid this has to be offset against China's current inflation. In the last uh, 24 months, inflation in China, simply if you look at the numbers, it's simply a ping pong between 1%, 2%, less than 1%. And in the last four months, it has been 1% or less than 1%. So now, if the rate of inflation is 1%, and if your interest rates, I'm just making this up, are 1%, and therefore you have zero real interest rates, Cutting them by 10%, by 10 basis points, it's quite a significant move. So in other words, I prefer to take the cuts, not in the usual smirk, who are they kidding, by 10 basis points, this is going to make any difference. Mm. It's versus the inflation they're having. You know, we are obsessed with inflation. Let the Americans worry about it. Chinese uh, uh, policymakers are not concerned about inflation. They don't have any. And in Japan, on the contrary, they are preying on bended knees for inflation to go up. So I'm not quite sure if I'm an investor in China or in Japan, I should hear that I should be really concerned about inflation. Yes, if I'm investing in US dollars, but what? not if I'm investing in renminbi or in yen. What are policymakers in uh, Japan and China concerned with if they're not concerned with inflation? And what, what's at the top of their list at the moment? Uh, well, in, in Japan, they're concerned about inflation. Full stop. That's it. End of story. All right. And in the case of, uh, in the case of, uh, of China, is uh, the relative slow growth. In other words, if you look at all the numbers, every single number, none of it is truly bad, but none of them is either accelerating. And of course, we are still working through the low base effect from previous years. So for example, the retail sales of 12% we just had for May has to be juxtaposed for the fact that last May, real, sorry, retail sales shrunk by 6%. So of course, 12% is a big number. No, mm. it isn't. Okay. And because people know that, they don't say, oh, look, retail sales are going up 12% year on year. Well, really, no. <laughs> Martin, what's so your... They are, mm. they, are concerned about, they are concerned about the economy. Uh, and Martin, what, what's your outlook for the Chinese economy this, this year? Well, I agree with Andrew that I wouldn't belittle, um, you know, which a lot of people do right now, some of these measures the Chinese government is taking. You know, firstly, it's, it's, you know, to bear in mind is in the opposite direction of what a lot of, of a lot of other countries are forced to do, like in the Eurozone, uh, where inflation is still, you know, really, uh, really sticky. Um, and in fact, I mean, if you look at the last projection of GDP, for 2023 of the World Bank, it was 5.6%. Obviously, the latest data, maybe that's a little bit lower. But if you, if you were to assume 5.5% and then look at where China's economy is right now, which is often sort of overlooked in purchasing power terms, it's already the world's largest in nominal terms, you know, sort of still chasing and closing in uh, on the US. So 5.5% growth, that, that would basically mean adding two entire economies of Thailand to the size of China's GDP 
um, in, in one year. Uh, which which really isn't that insubstantial. So with all those numbers coming out and everyone saying how bad they are, sort of you have to think about putting that into perspective, you know, to, to what the world looks like. And you have a, a couple of places already in recession. New Zealand has been reporting Euro, Eurozone, although very slightly. Um, so... And then again, if you put that into the context of, um, of valuation, diversification uh, factors, uh, again, you know, we would warn against wanting to uh, exclude um, that economy. We do sort of like uh, Japan as well. We have been highlighting that a few times uh, last year. It's getting slightly more expensive, but against global averages, certainly against the US, there's still attractive um, mm. uh, investments to be had. Martin Henneker is uh, Head of Asia Investment Advisory at St. James Place uh, Wealth Management and also joining us uh, as normal on a Friday, uh, Andrew Ferris, the CEO of Ecognosis Advisory.